do you sort out the so-called jargon from real-world practices that work? Do the members of your organization find some business advice utterly confusing? Welcome to the 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. In this program, we set the record straight and in terms that people at any level of business and technology can understand. Now, here is your host, Sam Holzman. Welcome to this edition of the 2020s Enterprise. I'm Sam Holzman, and the topic today is titled Architecting for the Cloud and the Cloud Repatriation Movement, or repatriation. I uh, have difficulty saying that. Uh, basically, to change that word to something I can pronounce, uh, it's uh, taking another look at this cloud phenomena and whether or not uh, it's something that uh, needs to be changed is really what the topic is all about. Um, and as we all know, if you are into technology or have been around it, I'm sure all of you have, I'm sure that you've heard uh, the term uh, cloud computing. Uh, and uh, just as a quick reference uh, you know, to you, uh, it was uh, coined uh, uh, quite some time ago, and we'll get into that a little bit. But basically, uh, the cloud is often discussed as offering the potential for better technology and business agility, but moving computing resources or anything, any change usually has two sides. And every marketer in the world and every consulting firm that's into cloud computing (laughs) wants to talk to you about the benefits. And they're mentioned and discussed. And yes, there are benefits. Just to make it clear that I'm not anti this, I'm just a hmm person. And for those of you that have been listening uh, to me for uh, the last year or so, or uh, we're I am, from our standpoint, are fortunate enough to consult with you. You know that my favorite phrase is, hmm, it's spelled H-M. And anytime I hear something new or see something new, that's the first thing I say is, hmm, rather than jumping, jumping, uh, let's take a look at that for a moment. So some information technology leaders are now learning that running certain applications in the cloud can cost more than doing so on-premises. Wow. And I'm going to get into that wow in just a moment. Should not be a surprise for those of you, to the listeners of this program, and for those of you that we've had the privilege of consulting with, uh, because I've talked about this with our clients for 24 years. Not to say don't do it, but recognize that it's not this whip song that goes on to the magic technological bullet that's out there for the moment that's out there. It's going to add complexity, it may add security concerns, and it really wasn't fully appreciated in this rush to the cloud. It's this, once again, this whipsawing, this herd mentality that anytime there's something new, automatically it means that the old obviously is no good. And this is a sort of a disease that technologists have. Not everybody, of course. Please recognize I'm not talking about every single person in there, but there's quite a few. And so what's happening now is rethinking of that approach. And I wish I could say rethinking that strategy, but I don't think it was strategic. I think it was emotional, emotional, a belief, a sales job uh, that we do as elixir salesmen, (laughs) you know, that's out there. And a recent study that really triggered this program uh, and this episode was that 85% 85% 
of technology managers are saying that they are not thinking about, but are repatriating computer applications from the cloud. Okay. That's a staggering number. That's not getting much press or attention. Staggering number. To those that remember or study a bit of history, the rise and decline in time-sharing computing of decades ago is following the same trends now that we saw then. This should not be as a total surprise to people. Once again, it's this whipsawing of what is going on. So what we're going to be doing in this episode is just to give you a little background so you can sort of see what's happened. Not for blame, but just rationally looking through this and saying, how did we get to this situation? Just briefly. And then what do we do now? And as the punchline, as I'm going to say toward the end of our program, I'm not going to tell you to get out of the cloud. What I'm going to tell you is that there is a rational way to determine where things should go. And it has to do with, ta-da, architecture. And you can do cloud computing, and you should do cloud computing, but it doesn't mean eliminate everything inside. Now, those of you that know us or know me, and and I've had the privilege of working with you, uh, know that this hum statement always comes back to having us look just a little bit at history here to see if we can see a trend from previous you know, years or decades. Um, and I'm going to take you back to 1959. I was not very old at the time. I know I'm old, but I wasn't very old at the time. Was when someone proposed, uh, the gentleman's name was John McCarthy, proposed the concept of sharing computing resources. And the phrase that was coined in the, in the late 50s, early 60s, was time-sharing that was going on. And so that was the first time somebody thought about taking some kind of a computing power and sharing it amongst individuals or organizations or companies or whatever it is, rather than single-threading types of things, you know, that was going on. And so that was the beginning of this movement to try to look at this very expensive resource at the time in the late 50s and early 60s and actually optimize it so many people can use it, uh, you know, sequentially um, and sometimes in parallel, depending on what what you could actually do, rather than single threading everything, you know, that was out there. Great concepts, fantastic ideas. Okay, now let's move pretty quickly to when, I hate to use the phrase, we got involved, or I got involved in this thing, which was in the second generation, and I got introduced to this area uh, working with a Honeywell Multex computer, if some of you remember that. This was a software-hardware dream to some of us and a massive nightmare to a lot of people. And it was because of in its flexibility, in its agility, came a massive, massive amount of complexity that we were seeing, even in the single hardware, software, network, machine environment, you know, that was there. And so we started seeing the good and the bad of this. And and frankly, we didn't have all of the hype 
Meisters out there that we have at this time. Now, of course, we have more now because there's so many vend- venues uh, and vendors, uh, you know, that can be used there. So early on, as I said, we started looking, you know, at, at these things in in those ages, you know, that was there. Third generation was in the 70s, the 70s. Um, and what we started seeing at that time uh, was more and more thought around this. Um, and at that time, some pretty elegant stuff started being developed. And for those of you that know this or remember this, this is when Unix um, was brought out as a way to interface uh, and interact uh, with these monster computers, you know, that we had, uh, you know, at, at the time that was there. That brings us to the fourth generation, again, very quickly in, in the history there, you know, the GNU project out of MIT in the 80s. And what came out of that was uh, Linus Torvalds's, uh, Torvalds, excuse me, uh, Unix-like operating system called Linux uh, in the 90s, and that is very popular, you know, today. And so that was the fourth generation, and now we're on to the fifth generation. And uh, this computing networking initially involved only time-sharing systems. This is where it all started. Uh, the later appearances of, com- of personal computers and smaller devices connected to the networks um, changed the way people connected to the networks, but the network cons- con- services continue to rely mainly on time sharing of systems and time sharing of computing resources, which now has been called servers. That's what we're seeing right now. Now, and this is, this is kind of a, 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 an uncomfortable phrase, but I want to say it. Recent marketers have tried to pretend that they've invented a new kind of service by referring to cloud computing. But that is actually plain old time sharing. It's essentially taking your stuff, whatever it is, and running it on somebody else's computer. It's not a negative. It's just a recognition. It's a different way of doing business. And perhaps for those of you that have been clients for us for decades now, uh, you see this repatriation movement rearing its head again because it's exactly what happened during the timesharing days. Now, the the concept of, of cloud computing as you and I know it today can be traced back to a, unfortunately, a defunct company now. It's called uh, Compact Computers. Some of you may have uh, known about them in the late 60s, you know, that was there. And um, we suggest that this is when this cloud computing concept came about uh, through a company called Netscape and their web browser that was out there. This is when things started beginning to be seen, you know, that was there. And a small group of, of executives in at Compact Computer were plotting the future of their internet business, calling it cloud computing. So this is sort of when we had the updated phrase, you know, that was out there. And I do think it was 80% marketing at the time, uh, but it was a different way to do business. And if you remember, it was the personal computer movement where we were looking at connecting things 
in and outside of companies uh, using wires and modems and uh, uh, all these other things that were, you know, a little bit different, you know, than it was, you know, before. And so I wanted to give you that history. Some of you are comfortable with what I'm saying, and some of you are probably very angry. Well, no, no, no. Cloud computing is different. You, you just don't get it, Sam. You just don't get it. Well, maybe for those of you that think I don't get it, you know, I understand. I, it's hard for me to to argue with you uh, in this type of dialogue, but I'd be more than happy to chat with any of you on this and other topics, of course. And please email me or phone me. And yes, I will. I will respond. I respond to everybody um, that uh, uh, gives me a call or emails me about any one of these, you know, topics, you know, that are there. Uh, but when it again, when it comes to this concept, you know, that's here. We have to recognize there's a reason why this is going on. And this rate repatriation movement is getting chief information officers a rescue, a lifeline, a floaty (laughs) from the mounting costs of computing resources. And what we have to recognize is that you and I, in our lives, in our daily activities, generally have three things that we can do when we go out to acquire something. And this is the same thing for compute cycles, computing resources and storage and things like that. And for some reason, sometimes these lessons are forgotten. And these three different models are simply called rent, lease, and buy. Now, there may be others, but... Again, from a standpoint of simplification, we all have those three types of choices that we can make when we go out to acquire something. We can rent it, we can lease it, and we can buy it. And all of those have strengths and weaknesses of, you know, that are out there. So let's just go through very quickly these three models so, so sort of give you a, a picture of what is going on. The rental model is essentially on demand. Okay, there's no commitments uh, that's out there. Uh, you know, if it's if, if you want to use the phrase day to day, month to month, day week to week, year to year, whatever it is, uh, I need this. You go out and and you know you rent a car. Okay, you rent a truck because you've got to pick up some new materials. Okay, what, whatever that is, it's a transactional driven activity. It has a time frame involved in it. Sometimes it's short. Sometimes it's long. But you know you don't need that resource for any length of time. And you also are guessing, if I can use that phrase, or thinking that that time involved isn't going to be repeated. In other words, there is no periodicity going on here. It's not once a month, once a year, uh, those types of things. It's an in and out type of thing. Now, that may change over time when you go into the second class of acquiring things, which we call lease. And in that situation, you say, you know, um, I need this for the next 24 months. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to the supplier, whether it's an automobile, whether it's bags of potato chips, whether it's water delivered, uh, anything there, and saying, I'm going to see if I can negotiate a 24-month pack, and by the way, the number means nothing about 24 months. It's just an idea that's there. I need this resource, or I need this thing 
uh, on, a, on a relatively consistent basic basis uh, periodically over a period of time that's out there. And you negotiate essentially some kind of a agreement that we hope when you do that, there is a reduction, comma, sometimes significant reduction from the month-to-month area. And of course, the reason for that from the vending standpoint is they have a longer-term commitment. They know that resource will be uh, gainfully used by somebody for a period of time. And you say to the vendor, you know, since I'm going to be using this for 24 months, I should get some kind of a deal so that uh, from your standpoint, yes, you're, you're making, you know, revenue, you're making money on this. But since you now have a guaranteed, you know, uh, income stream, you know, cash flow stream, uh, there should be some uh, uh, compensation or reduction in the month-to-month fee. Makes sense. So we've got rent and lease. And, of course, the third option is, is kind, of op- you know, kind of obvious. Uh, we're going to buy it. <laughs> we're going to buy it. And uh, those decisions are made for, for various reasons. And there is no one reason or one approach that's better than the other. And that's one of the points of this program to you. There isn't one answer, one approach, or one optimization as a whole. But there can be optimizations for various actions that you are doing. And we're going to be talking about those actions and a approach, a method to try to address this concept of what should we put where. So we're going to take a short break. And after the break, we'll get into more of this cloud computing rational approaches that we want to bring to you. We'll see you back here in just a few minutes. Is your organization in the Internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? Then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work. And this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit PinnacleBusinessGroup.com. Based on over 30 years of real-world experience, the Business Architecture Center of Excellence four-day certification workshops in business architecture will guide you beyond theory and into actual implementation. If you are looking to develop a baseline for business agility through goal-aligned, prioritized capabilities, we will help you get there. You will leave our workshop with real tools, processes, techniques, and most importantly, true hands-on business architecture project practice. For dates, locations, and more, visit BACOE.org. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book, Reaching the Pinnacle, a methodology of business understanding, technology planning, and change by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holzman brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. 
This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. Enterprise architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. Virtual Business Architecture Services from the Business Architecture Center of Excellence will provide you with the expertise of our consulting services remotely so you can achieve your goals quickly, efficiently, and economically. Using our business architecture methodology complemented by our full BACOE practitioner support, we will help you achieve the same great results without any travel at a reduced cost. Please visit BACOE.org backslash virtual hyphen BA for more information. You are listening to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at eacoe.org. That's sam at eacoe.org. Now, back to The 2020s Enterprise. Welcome back. In today's episode, we're talking about uh, cloud uh, repatriation Basically, once again, looking at cloud computing through the eyes of where are we today, where do we need to go, and perhaps we need a balance or rethinking about this all-in type of strategy. And that's what we see, uh, and it kind of scared us uh, when we saw this all-in type of strategy. You know, it's that old Las Vegas phrase, okay, I'm going to put all this on number 28, <laughs> my, my world income, and let's see what happens. Are you either going to be really, really happy or really sad? Well, in the case of cloud computing, we're seeing those types of things going on here. And in our first segment, I chatted about this lease, excuse me, this rent, lease, buy type of stratification. And I want to begin with that thinking with you that's there. There's different options, and there's different options for different reasons. So when it comes to computing, we have to fundamentally recognize there's sort of a number of things we're dealing with, and in three specific. We're dealing with the processing activities. In other words, you know, churning away computing cycles because we're doing calculations. Okay, that's one. The second thing we're, we're, we're looking at is stuff storage, data, whatever you want to call it, okay? And and if you can visualize, as the old phrase goes, these massive disks spinning around um, wildly <laughs> uh, with all of your data stuff on there, okay? Now, I want to mention something here as, 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 as we approach this. It doesn't matter if those, this, that data is being used or not at that moment or any time, it's still being spun around or sitting somewhere in a cloud and you're getting charged by the second minute, month, whatever it is. It doesn't matter what is being done with that data. That's the processing. So we have the processing and we have the data. And then the third thing we have is the communication mechanism known as the network. 
In other words, the movement of the data to the processor, the processor to the data, et cetera, et cetera. And all of a sudden, you have three sets of costs that you need to balance that's out there. By the way, same thing is true inside your company. But as we know, when we look at those three elements through the rent lease buy eyes, if something is sitting there spinning around and I, I need it for the next five years or two years or one year, perhaps I shouldn't be renting it. Perhaps I shouldn't be leasing it. Perhaps I should be buying it. So that's what we're going to start thinking about in this new strategy. In other words, can we take these things apart for a moment and rationally and architecturally look at it and say, it isn't one thing, okay? Now, the word cloud computing is different than cloud storage, which is different than cloud networking. And I've made those terms up, sort of, to give you, once again, a recognition that there's three components that's there. This is what we have to start thinking about. And so, of course, what's happening in a lot of organizations is they are generating buckets and buckets and buckets and and containerfuls of data, you know, that's out there. And it's just spinning away. Troves of data are being generated. I mean, just massive. And we got names for it, data lakes and data swamps and data this and data that. Tons, gazillions of things. And I want to stress again, it doesn't matter if anybody's processing against it. This all costs money. And now when we want to use it, we now have to look at, you know, the bandwidth, the network capacity, and the cost of moving that data around. And I'm going to tell you right now that when you've got troves of data and a lot of data that you got to move around, you got to think about where should I run this? In A, B, or C, in a rental model, a leasing model, or a buying model. That's what I'm, I'm suggesting, okay? So when it comes to computing cycles, there may be a strong justification for a certain balance between in-house and external. But when it comes to the other components, there is going to be a balance, but it may be 80-20 versus 20-80. And so this one-size-fits-all mentality about cloud computing is is not cost-effective, rational, or make any sense. I want to come back again to your daily lives. It doesn't make any sense to have this one model when you have three different types of things that you're thinking about. And all of you, of course, are going to be hopefully thinking, you know, that you know that you know that way. And now there is essentially more and more evidence and more and more being written about these costs of moving data around uh, across locations, across borders, across continents. And you're talking about tens of millions of dollars and things when you start thinking about these things. Now, back in the olden days, when, when we were involved heavily into the actual development and operations of, of these things, I remember how judiciously we looked at things like, uh, you know, telephone calls. I'm, I'm just taking you back in history here for a moment. And we would look at 
for each office that we were trying to you know connect with clients there was a number of options that were there one is the pot system plain old telephone systems you just call up you just call you know call you know make a call and in the good old days if you can call it that those calls were charged you know by the minute and the distance those were the two things minute and distance and then there was another option that said what we're going to do is to dedicate a wire between you and a certain location out there. You own that wire and you can pump as much stuff as you want through there within a distance of the end of that wire. In other words, um, you know, it was sort of like a remote access. You had sort of had a tentacle out there that said, this particular location, I've got lots of things I need to do. I've got lots of different offices or different clients or different this and that. And and we would be able to put a dedicated pipe in for you that you can use as much as you want. Um, you know, that you know, that would be there. And so you see the different models. In other words, you're actually architecting and analyzing before you're writing a purchase order for these things to figure out the various needs. And of course, those things could be, you know, changed. And then, of course, came the option of, of the various types of capacities uh, that you could have in those pipes, uh, you, know, that, you know, that were out there. And, and there was a whole series of, in, in our, you know, our early days of work, where we were doing operations research types of modeling for, for organizations, where we would look at these network types of things to see if we can optimize those things. And every month, ladies and gentlemen, every month we took a look at these reports that we were developing and we were moving these rent, lease, buy types of things around. Now, once we had a purchase, the game changed, of course, because that asset now becomes ours. And then we took a different approach to that. We said, how do we maximize its utilization? In other words, how do we take the utilization up as, as much as we felt comfortable? We never went to 100%. Uh, that's not a good practice uh, that's out there. We always want some, you know, uh, uh, headway left out there, uh, you know, for us. So once again, we had this model that we were looking at, uh, you know, that we could, we could look at. And, and it was dynamic. It was dynamic. Okay. So it's the, the, the bottom line here is there isn't one answer. We have to think about these things a little bit. And now we can think about these things strategically, strategically. And we'll chat about that in just a moment. There is method that we can apply to this madness, you know, that we, we sort of, uh, you know, see out there. And what I'm suggesting to you, it's not that complicated, but we have to sit back for a moment and get off of the hype cycle and into some reality. And... I'm going to suggest bluntly here that we need to start with the business need, not the technology enamorization need, but the business need that's there and the value proposition that goes along with that. What is the actual business value of this and what are the trade-offs between these types of, of, of representations and models that you can, you can look at? Additionally, what we have to be careful of, and this is something that all chief information officers or chief technology officers are, it's always in the back of their heads, I know. Uh, there's bright people out there that are looking at these things, is the concept of lock-in. 
Yes, there is cloud lock-in. And there is no such thing as open. Uh, Open is sometimes used as a term um, that should be free. and, And that's what it is. Because once you go to a certain open slash free, you're locked in there too. And moving out of that is difficult. And we see that all the time with our with our clients. It's not to say that you should use multiple vendors because that's a good idea. No, it's a strategic decision. You've got to look at it. I mean, you know, look at the airline industry, you know, for a moment. You've got certain airlines. Uh, Southwest is one that comes to mind uh, that only flies a Boeing 737 aircraft because they believe that having a consistent hardware view uh, will help them with the flexibility of the pilots and the maintenance and the parts, replacement parts, et cetera, et cetera. So their optimization uh, is around the variable labor costs and maintenance, and that's their, quote, strategy, unquote. Uh, look, for example, and I'm just picking these out of the air. You know, you've got Delta Airlines that, you know, that has, uh, um, you know, uh, McDonnell Douglas airplanes. I, I know that they're retiring those things. Um, they've got Airbus and, you know, they've got Boeing and they've got various, you know, types of each one of those and different strategy. One's right. One's wrong. No, they're different strategies that somebody hopefully is thinking about. And I do believe that the CEOs and all the advisors to these organizations are thinking about these things. And once again, for all of those, they have those same types of models, rent, lease, buy, same type of situation, uh, you know, that's out there on top of all those variabilities. The key thing is you look at the business strategy and what that strategy is that you're trying to achieve. And then you look at the deployment options that are possibly available to you to make those types of decisions. So in summary, cloud computing is nothing new. It's been around for decades. We are now seeing, again, in cycle two, so to speak, this cost, security, agility, flexibility concern that we saw in the days of timesharing. And just like we saw in the days of timesharing, it took some bold people, organizations, and their management to say, wait a minute, let's get off of this train here because this train is heading toward the end of the cliff here. It just doesn't make any sense. Now, you can take your finger out there that is the finger to point at people and say, shame on you. It's not going to help. It doesn't make any difference. You can scold all you want. What we have to recognize is we're sitting here right now and saying, okay, this is the present situation. Here's where we are. Let's look at some options. And believe it or not, one option at this point for some organizations may be, comma, unfortunately, we've got to stay the course here. Because going in another direction right now is just something that we can't afford to do. Or we're going to freeze the model at this particular point. And then on Monday morning, so to speak, we will take another strategic view of how to move forward, rethinking this put everything on the on the poker line table approach to things that are out there. And so it's not a warning shot. It's just a recognition that just like we've chatted about for the past year on this program and with our clients for decades, uh, 
let's do some planning and architecture. Let's lay out some blueprints and build options and see which one best serves our enterprise and business needs. And once we understand that, we can look at the technology solutions of the day and see which one of those would best meet our needs. And with the new model of cloud computing, also known as, you now know, fifth version of time sharing (laughs) that's out there. I I love using that. I'm sorry. Uh, I do enjoy using that because I've learned a lot over the years, and I'm not going to throw any of that knowledge away because we can apply it now. So when we're looking at time sharing, we're looking at cloud computing, we now have another option in our toolbox, which is fantastic. And one of the big differences between time sharing of old and cloud computing today, there is a big difference, and that's the concept of the incremental capacity that's out there. So in the days of time sharing, one of the main reasons behind this was an increment of capacity for enterprises in those days was millions of dollars because the only thing you had was an increment of capacity called a mainframe. Massively expensive. Well, now an increment of capacity has a different equation to it. So with those different equations, some real architecture has to be looked at as where we deploy things, with what technologies, where it is, and of course, most importantly, how does that particular strategy support the business values, the business drivers um, that we're, we're trying to achieve through those uh, technology deployments that are there. So we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we're going to talk to you about how do we actually b- bring an architected analysis approach to restructuring the cloud versus in-house technology environments. See you back here in a few minutes. Is your organization in the internet age when those around you are moving into the information age? Are your hallway conversations filled with words and phrases like blockchain, AI, VR, cloud computing, and micro this and that? Are you interested in bringing some method to the madness? Then talk to us. Through years of consulting with clients all over the world, the Pinnacle Business Group and Architecture's Center of Excellence have developed an understanding of what makes a consultant-client relationship work. And this understanding comes to every engagement. The Pinnacle Business Group assists organizations in solving their business and system challenges with its unique, proven approaches, bringing teams of business and system personnel together to jointly define business and system requirements. The teams are led through a series of facilitated activities to provide innovative solutions to their business and system challenges. We look forward to hearing from you. Visit PinnacleBusinessGroup.com. Are you frustrated with your business strategy, mission, or enterprise architecture efforts? If so, the book, Reaching the Pinnacle, a methodology of business understanding, technology planning, and change by leading enterprise architect practitioner Sam Holzman brings a method to the marketing madness that surrounds the enablement of business and mission strategy and enterprise architecture. This helpful, no-nonsense book sheds light on this poorly understood topic. It helps business executives and technology professionals build an enterprise architecture appropriate to their organizational needs, enabling their business and mission strategy. 
Enterprise Architecture is the rethinking of how business and mission planning and information technology can support each other to achieve its strategic and mission objectives through the development of a series of project initiatives and agile models. Reaching the Pinnacle is available at Amazon.com. Are you stuck in your enterprise architecture practice with nothing but a bunch of static models and deliverables aimed at future technology development efforts rather than true business understanding? With the Enterprise Architecture Center of Excellence four-day certification workshops, you will learn proven step-by-step enterprise architecture techniques to be used as the baseline for addressing continuous business and organizational change. For dates, locations, and more, visit EACOE.org. No travel? No problem. The Enterprise Architecture Center of Excellence and Business Architecture Center of Excellence are experts in offering distance learning enterprise architecture and business architecture certification workshops throughout the year. Your experience mirrors our face-to-face workshops and are not just remote broadcasts. You will collaborate in teams across the world, just as though you were across the table. For dates and registration, visit EACOE.org and BACOE.org. You are listening to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. We welcome questions and comments about the program via email to sam at eacoe.org. That's sam at eacoe.org. Now, back to The 2020s Enterprise. Welcome back uh, to The 2020s Enterprise with Sam Holzman. That's me. Uh, We're talking about cloud computing and this cloud repatriation movement. Uh, That word is very difficult for me to keep pronouncing, so I'm going to say it this way. Bringing stuff back (laughs) in-house that used to be in the cloud. Thinking about a balance or thinking about a complete movement back. Basically looking at the, the cloud as a resource, like any other resource we have in our toolbox, rather than the panacea to solve some thing that we may or may not think about now is as important as it was years ago, or we decided to move in that direction uh, based on a popular belief or advice from well-meaning advisories, et cetera, et cetera, whatever the reason. I don't want to look back and say, shame on you. That's not going to help anything that's there. I'm sure that everything was done with a high degree of confidence that there was going to be some serious uh, benefits to the business. At least we hope there was. So we're going to take a little we're going to take a little break from that and we're going to start looking at it using some understanding, some learnings that we've had now in some organizations for a decade or so. And that's what's good. It's good. Say, hey, we learned something about this. Um, you know that's out there. We made that investment, uh, we made that direction. And just like everything else, we're, you know, we're looking at a different strategy or a new strategy or rethinking this based on what we're, we're talking about now. And so when we look at this now, I want to once again divide this up into three pieces you know, for you. Uh, one is the compute cycles that we have in computing. And whether you're using personal computers or mainframes or servers or clouds or in-house or whatever it is, there's processing There's processing that's going on. So that's one segment of this thing we have to think about. Uh, The next 
segment we have to think about is the storage of stuff, <laughs> the storage of stuff, uh, meaning data. You know, whether it's whizzing around on, in, uh, in, uh, on uh, disks at some uh, incredibly high rates of speed or is uh, in uh, some silicone, you know, or uh, some type of uh, computing chip that's out there, uh, solid state memory, if those of you are comfortable with that. And, of course, you know, there's certain costs and, and benefits involved in that uh, that's out there. And then the third uh, segment of this of course, is the communications, the networking, in other words, the transportation mechanism uh, between all of these things. And it's gotten a bit more complex uh, when we start moving things around, um, you know, that, you know, that are out there. And we see this, you know, in, in our world, you know, today, uh, when we look at the various models, you know, that are out there. So for those of you who are into Chromebooks, for example, you know that most of the stuff is done somewhere else. It's not done on the little machine that's sitting in front of you. Uh, for those of you that are in the uh, uh, personal computer world uh, that's out there, you know that uh, you can essentially do, I won't say everything, but a lot of stuff without any connectivity. Uh, but the overall but is always there. There may be some connectivity needs that are out there. And let's just for a moment take a look at uh, uh, the Microsoft Surface computers and, and really a kind of a sort of clever way that, you know, they've designed some of these things to start separating, as I call it, the independent variables. For, so for some of you that are using, uh, you know, the Surface laptop, you know that you can unsnap the, uh, the uh, screen from that and you still have compute power. In other words, it sounds so simple when you think about it. In other words, I put the processor with the display and I can, quote, take that off and the keyboard stays behind. And sometimes, depending on the configuration that you have, there may be a battery in the keyboard. There may be a, a battery also in the display area. You now see the amount of flexibility and agility that you get. Notice the different model that you, know, that you have there versus, you know, for example, just a, a tablet device that has a different configuration. I want to stress again, there's not one right, there's not wrong. But if you look at the Surface computers, the, the laptops specifically, you know, you've got some clever engineering going on there. Some people like it, some people don't, but now you see there's another option for you. That's that hybrid, if you want to call it there, uh, between the, the laptop and the tablet with the processing power going with the screen. You know, I'd say it's pretty clever. I'd say it's pretty clever. Now, coming back to the models of the airlines, all right? As I mentioned, Delta, three different brands of airplanes, and probably going down to two, but not necessarily because they also use some computer airlines uh, from third and fourth party uh, airline vendors, you know, airplane vendors, excuse me, not airline, but airplane vendors that are out there. So you see there's different models, once again, looking at, at Southwest Airlines, one set of, if I can use the phrase, hardware. <laughs> that hard now, coming back to computing, let's look at our cloud model. We can have a cloud model that says everything is in one vendor's cloud. It all goes to XYZ organization. Or you can say, you know what, I'm going to spread the wealth slash risk slash security slash whatever you want to call it. 
as many slashes as you want, and we're going to have multiple cloud vendors, multiple people that supply us with airplanes. And there's a cost and a benefit and a, and a, and a, and a complication to that. And, of course, you know, the concept of vendor lock-in changes. However, we also have to look at it and say, if I'm going in a certain direction, how easy is it for me to change directions? So if I go with a certain cloud vendor, uh, how easy it for, is it for me to take that back in-house? And I would think about that before I start going out. Hey, think, yes, think about that before we go out. And secondarily, if I have multiple vendors, uh, how do I get them to speak to each other? Uh, and is there uh, issues that, uh, you know, that are, are there? And also, once again, can I move from one environment to the other, you know, that's out there? And so in the storage arena, you can see some of the uh, benefits and at the same time complexities that almost without uh, rationalization occurs. It's not that we're not rational and not thinking rationally, but without rationalizing these equations that are out there, we can get ourselves into a bit of a pickle uh, that's out there. Now, let's look at, again, compute resources. We know that not all compute resources are the same. So we have that time, same type of you know, situation uh, you know, that's out there. And, of course, the last one, and not anything less uh, good, bad, and different, or complex or not complex, of course, is the communications network and the, you know, as far uh, the, the networking that goes on. And uh, I know from you know our organization, uh, we do uh, some remote uh, learning. Uh, two mo- modes of that: one is what we call distance learning, and the other is self-paced. Um, and in the self-paced environment, we have we're fortunate we have people from all around the world that uh, um, you know matrix in with us and. Uh, We've had some interesting adjustments that we've had to make, especially recently with some of the restrictions that we're seeing on uh, on the capacity of the Internet. Yeah, the Internet's getting a little uh, uh, crusty at the edges that are out there. And we had to accommodate that by lowering, um, uh, you know, essentially the definition rate. We've gone from high definition videos to standard definition videos on some of our courseware to accommodate uh, the latency that organizations are seeing on their networks, and also uh, the limited bandwidth they have in, in some areas, you know, that are out there in this country and around the world. So we're making adaptions to this, and we're fortunate that we've got some serious architecture around what we've done to be able to, within a, a you know, literally 48 hours, be able to address these various things that are out there uh, without causing, you know, some some grief. So let's come back to the rationalization. It starts off with what are the goals that you're trying to achieve as a business first? And I would map two things to those goals. The processing I need to do, I didn't say applications or systems, the processing, the processes that I'm trying to do, and the data that I'm trying to use to do those processes against the business drivers. And I'm going to start off very simply by having two buckets. These require fast care and feeding and are very, very volatile in my world. These have a more periodicity to them. And the amount of volatility, for example, the number of 
transactions per day, week, month, or year, whatever the equation is, is relatively stable, and the data processing against those is relatively stable. So I'm going to start off very simply with two buckets. And once I look at the goals that I have in my organization, once again, that's the driving force. I'm going to take the volatile things and look at various cloud deployments because the the variability there, the processing power and the storage and the network is, quote, all over the place to meet those specific objectives. And therefore, I'll bear, I'll bear the cost and the complexities of going into the cloud. On the other hand, on the other side of the equation, the things that are more stable, both from a processing standpoint and storage and network standpoint, I'm going to keep those or I'm going to redeploy those or repatriate those back into my organization, and I'm going to run those in the environment that I have 100% control over uh, from a cost standpoint, a security standpoint, um, you know, and a volatility standpoint, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I just gave you two buckets, but some of you are already thinking, well, I don't agree with those two buckets. Fantastic. We now have accomplished what I want to accomplish with you, and that's having you think about these things through the eyes of business goals, business needs, business objectives, and then looking at the deployment of those through technology that's out there. Some of you may say, no, the things that I really want to look at because I'm uncomfortable with giving somebody else my data and or my processes is all of the goals that are strategic to my organization and all of the resources, the processes and the data associated with that are strategic to my organization. I want command and control over completely. I'm not going to take any of those things into the cloud. Notice it's a different strategy. And we can lay out all of those various approaches relatively quickly. I'm not saying in a minute or so, but for those of you that we've had the privilege of working with, either as a business architect or as an enterprise architect, you can do this next week. <laughs> it's all there already, and you can make those choices. Uh, but for those of you that we haven't had the privilege of working with, we're laying out a game plan for you. And yes, you can do it relatively quickly that's out there. To think about things expressively, explicitly, so you can make these decisions that are out there. And it's not a static representation. It's not a static model. It's one that will evolve as both your strategies change and, of course, the technology changes, you know, as we go forward. So these dynamic situations are going to be evolving. I don't know what's going to be next. Uh, it's going to be, uh, you know, uh, forget the cloud for a moment. It's going to be, uh, you know, laser-to-laser uh, -laser beam <laughs> types of communications that are out there. So I hope, you've, I hope I've given you some food for thought on how we can rationally and strategically talk about this balance between cloud and in-house and cut down on the amount of thrashing that's going on you know, as we see this repatriation movement. Thanks again for listening. Please don't hesitate to contact us. We'd be more than happy to help you. Have a great day.